Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The second reading is from the Apostle Peter's first letter, chapter 2. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church and the basis and the reason for our living as priests. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Because they refuse to believe the message, they stumble, which is what they set for themselves. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The Word of the Lord. The Christian church is in trouble. No one can doubt that in the previous century, the church stained more glass, laid more brick, installed more carpet, and spent more money than in any other time in the history of Christianity. And yet, over the last five decades, church membership in all kinds of Christian churches has been shrinking like a dandelion sprayed by weed be gone. Mission expansion is down. Perhaps worst of all, the church's influence is dropping like a barbell in Lake Michigan. More than ever before, people are viewing the church as a harmless institution, perhaps only needed if they want to get hatched, matched, and dispatched, or as some would say, sprinkled three times with water, rice, and dust. In their opinion, the church is only or mainly interested in preserving itself and has outlived its usefulness. In their opinion, when the church speaks, they respond with a gaping yawn. It is in this challenging time that God has called us to live. The big question is, Can the Christian church still make a difference in people's lives? 
Humanly speaking, the answer to that depends largely on what you understand your role as a member of God's church to be. That's what makes today's second reading from the Apostle Peter's first letter in chapter 2 so practical and poignant. We're going to explore these passages today and discover what our Savior has to impact our lives and the lives of others. Have you ever struggled with your identity? Reports show that teens especially wrestle with their self-esteem. Who am I? Let's be honest, we've all been there and maybe still are there. You can try to point to your upbringing or past mistakes that leave you empty and feeling guilty, but one way or another, when we all take a deep dive and look inside of ourselves, most days we don't like what we see. And too often, we're disgusted. How can I be who I want to be when others are pushing me down, or even more, how can I be who I want to be when I keep shooting myself in the foot by shooting off my mouth? This letter, the Apostle Peter's first letter, was originally intended for the scattered and tattered Christians of Asia Minor, which is today modern-day Turkey. They were harassed and hassled, taunted and terrorized. They had to accept a lower status in society and a lower standing in their neighborhoods just because they believed that Jesus Christ is Lord. They were degraded, demoralized, and ready to give up hope. They needed more than a new lease on life. They needed a true new lease on life, not just a little pick-me-up, but a true new lease on real life. And what better way for them to receive that than what from what the Apostle Peter proclaimed, their new and real status. Not the opinion of pundits and pollsters, but the opinion of the chairman of the board of the universe, who just happens to be also the Lord of the church. He said, you, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. I I must confess that as I thought about those words, that people are like stones built into a house, a rather unpleasant image came into my mind. The only people I know who are like stones built into a house are people who are dead, laid out on a cement slab and slid into a mausoleum wall. But that's not what the Apostle Peter is talking about here. He says you are living stones because you keep coming to him, the living stone. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you know who that living stone, the living stone is, right? It's Jesus. Yes, he was rejected by the religious leaders of his day. They wanted to build a kingdom according to their own blueprint, but God turned the tables on them. And they ended up tripping over the stone that they rejected, the cornerstone they rejected to their own eternal harm. But the Bible writer Peter tells us this. This is then what happened for them. To those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected becomes a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Because they refuse to believe the message, they stumble, which is what they said for themselves. Yet in spite of their rejection, in spite of their 
the fact that they killed Jesus, the only Savior. Peter goes on, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone of God's spiritual temple. Do you hear echoes of the Easter message? Jesus is the living stone, the living cornerstone who supports God's spiritual temple and lines up its walls all by God's design. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The Christians in Asia Minor may have been put to shame by their neighbors and demoralized, but they would never experience the ultimate shame of having their sins exposed standing before the holy God because Jesus washed all their sins away. They may have had a lower standing and status in their communities, but Peter says you have new status, living status with God, built into his spiritual house, into his spiritual temple. God's temple exists. His spiritual house, his temple exists in the hearts of all those who trust in him, wherever they may be, in Milwaukee or Menominee Falls, in Waukesha or Wauwatosa, in Bayview or Bayside, in Glendale or Greendale, in your heart and in mine. You and I are living stones built into God's spiritual temple. But when those Israelites of old thought about the temple of God, they couldn't help conceiving of a hardworking group of people who worked at the temple, the priests. And so the Apostle Peter goes on. You are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Scripture conveys and confers all kinds of title on us as Christians. All kinds of titles. We are children in his family, sheep of his flock, laborers in his vineyard, branches connected to Jesus, the true vine, citizens in his kingdom, heirs of the treasures Jesus earned, But the title given to us Christians, those who believe in Jesus, that probably is the least understood, is priests. Among those ancient Israelites, priests, in their minds and in their way of living, and as God designed it, were people who were set apart to be the ones who had direct access to God. Every Israelite of old understood that if you want to be connected to God, you have to go through the priest. We know from a study of history that the Church of the Middle Ages tried to perpetuate this role of priests as being set apart as the only ones with direct access to God. What a bomb Martin Luther exploded 500 years ago. When, from his study of scriptures, he was announcing in his classroom and proclaiming from his pulpit, every Christian is a priest. Every Christian has direct access to God because of the sacrifice Jesus made to give them that status. My friends, that's where you and I find our identity. Listen to this. This position of honor, this status of being priest. The Apostle Peter says, this position of honor is for you. For you who believe, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You are a royal priest. If you want to be able to 
live with confidence and calmness and deal with the callous and cavalier attitude that many people have toward God's word and will today. If you want to live through this virus situation and still all the while not feel so stuck but that you're actually moving forward step by step spreading the good news of Jesus in spite of safer at home and social distancing. If you want to make a difference in the lives of your friends through your Facebook friends and e-connections or in your home with your spouse and your children then you first of all need to remember who you are. Your identity, you are a royal priest built into God's spiritual temple. And there's more. Have you thought of this? God not only wiped the slate of sin clean for us, but more than that, he didn't just wipe that slate clean so that we can lean back like sunbathers on a beach and soak in the rays of his son, S-O-N, of the sun, all the while then falling asleep while a tide of evil surges in and pulls us and others into the murky sea of sin with the undertow of Satan's clever, well, I'm okay and I don't need to pay attention and, and be careful about and guard my spiritual life. With that kind of attitude, No. Keep in mind, God not only removed the guilty verdict that hangs over us, he freed us from its power. He not only gave us the status of being priests, but he gives us the power to live as priests. Listen to the apostle. You are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a royal priesthood that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The Lord never calls a person to do a job without also equipping that person to do the job. And the Lord Jesus supplies us with everything we need. He gives us pardon from our sin, freedom from Satan's control, a new goal in life to honor God with all we say and do. And then the resources of strength and love to attain that goal. Jesus doesn't give us the status of being saints in God's spiritual house only then to brand an L for loser on our forehead. He doesn't make us to be failures. Here's what Jesus himself said. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Martin Luther once put it this way. The whole world abounds with services to the Lord, not only in churches, but also in the home, in the kitchen, in the workshop, and in the field. Not that service to God through the church is unnecessary or unimportant. Christian men and women who devote time and energy and service to their Lord through the church are a vital part of what makes our congregation healthy. And yet we know that that's not all there is to priesthood. Priesthood isn't just connected to work in the church. Moms, you make a huge impact by working together with, your, with the dads to, to model what it means to listen to the Savior's word and then talk about what Jesus on the cross and outside his tomb really means. And you single people, you work wonders 
among your friends and your circle of friends by offering a shoulder to lean on, an ear to listen, a heart of compassion, fingers on a keyboard sharing messages that comfort and console. And kids and teens, you too can have a huge impact and have your classmates and friends pay attention to you, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, by humbly sharing with your friends something like this. Hey, your goal in life might be ultimately to make money. My goal is to share Jesus' love with more and more people, and I plan to do just that full-time and plan to enroll in our Lutheran Church Bodies College of Ministry to study to be a pastor or teacher. You see, the, the message of what Jesus did always leads to the mission Jesus gives. Think of what the angel said to the women on that first Easter morning. Come and see, but then what? Go and tell. That's exactly what the Apostle Peter meant when he said that you as priests of God get to offer spiritual sacrifices, not, not sacrifices to earn or pay for sin. That's done. That's done already by Jesus on the cross. But sacrifices of thanks. He writes, you are a royal priesthood declaring the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a royal priest offering spiritual sacrifices, a priest offering this life of thanks and royal because you have Jesus' victory and the victorious Jesus at your side. Is the Christian church still relevant in the 21st century? Can the Christian church still make a difference in people's lives? Well, remember this, you are the Christian church. So the question needs to be reworded. Can I make a difference in people's lives? Since Jesus is the Savior of all and all are included in his promise of love, and since, since Jesus is the only Savior and those who don't believe in him are sadly excluded, we have work to do. You royal priests, together with your called workers, are just the ones to do it. Let's go. Let's act. Let's pray. Let's give. Let's speak up and let's speak out. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.